Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Today, we are, we are continuing our series, A Walk with Abraham. And uh, Abraham is the father of faith, but we're learning a little bit that his journey is also fear, uh, filled with moments of fear and also failure. And here's, here's our hope today, that we begin to see our lives through the stories that we read about Abraham um, and his journey, and uh, that we'd learn from his faith and not fall into some of the same fears and hopefully not repeat some of the same failures. And last week, anybody remember what we talked about last week? Hitchhikers. Hitchhikers. God called Abraham to a physical journey from his homeland to an unknown destination. It was unfamiliar to him. He didn't know anybody there. He's oh, far away from his friends and his family and what was comfortable. But we learned this was more than just a physical journey for Abraham. This was a spiritual journey. And God intended to use his spiritual journey to bless generations and generations and generations to follow. We learned that God wants to use our obedience in our spiritual journeys to bring about blessings, not just for us, but also for our children. And we learned that every journey will face a choice. Do I choose faith or do I choose fear? And here's the reality. This is what we talked about last week. Neither one of them can see the future. Faith will cause us to reach up and will put courage inside of us for the future that we can't see. Fear will drain us of the courage that we need in order to see the future that we can't see. Faith causes me to trust in God. Fear will cause me to trust in who? Myself. Cause me to trust in myself. And we also saw that fear will take you places that you were never supposed to go and cause you to do things that you were never supposed to do. Abraham chose to listen to fear, and it took him on a detour from where God wanted him to go. And today we're going to look at another hitchhiker on this journey. Only this one jumped in in the car along with fear, and Abraham didn't know it. Here's a hitchhiker that jumped in when he listened to fear, and he didn't even know it. My kids like to watch this television show. It comes on the, the Food Network a lot. I've never been a good Food Network person. I like food. I will eat it. Uh, if you prepare it for me. Um, the best meal, how many of you know the best meals are the ones you don't have to cook? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Gentlemen that aren't married, marry a woman that can cook. It'll go well for you in your life. My kids like to watch this, this show on the Food Network. It, they, they, they make these amazing cakes. Have you, have you seen this? They, they, the cartoon characters and all of these things like that. And it, it's phenomenal. They make it so easy on, to, to, on TV looks so easy that people actually go out and try to do the thing themselves. To be honest, have you tried to make one of those cakes that you saw somebody? Some of you are like, no, I'm not, I'm not trying it. I'm not, I'm not brave enough. Well, listen, we've actually looked into your family photos and your social media feeds, and we have found some of the cakes that you have decided to make. Yeah, you all have seen this, right? Expectation, reality. I'm, I'm going to show you one for you. Uh, let's look, here's, here's the first one. It's, it's the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> what you thought it would look like is on the left. It's okay. You did good. I bet it tasted just as good 
Don't, don't worry. It, it, it was just as good as the one there. Some of you are laughing. Don't worry. We have yours too. Here's, here's, here's the next one, the one that you did. <laughs> Bell. I don't think that qualifies for beauty and the beast anymore. I, I, I don't, I just, yeah. How's, how's that working out for you? Making, trying to, to do those. It's not as easy as it looks, is it? We need to leave the things to the professionals. Here's, you say, well, don't make cakes. How about cookies? We can make cookies. Let's see how you did. Um, yeah, I, I, I think those are supposed to be teddy bears holding the almond, not engulfing whatever, whatever that is. I've got, I've got one more for you because we saw yours too that you tried to make. Your kids loved Elmo. Um, <laughs> It didn't, it didn't quite work out for you the way you thought it would, did it? I mean, just really, like, y'all are never going to look at me the same. Here's, here's my question for you today, and we can take that off the screen so you're no longer distracted. Here's my question for you today. What would it look like if you truly trusted that God would do everything he said that he would? And what if, like Abraham, you went on this journey? And somewhere along the way, the promise seemed like it would never, ever come. Would you take matters into your own hands? Would you want that promise so bad and trust God so much but have a hard time waiting on the time frame, waiting on the timeline, waiting on the promise to come about? Is it possible that we would want something from God so bad that we're willing to try and do it ourselves instead of waiting for him to do what he promised? And I'm, I'm hoping as we dig into this part of Abraham's journey, you would, you would think about the times and, and places in your life where you had an expectation and it came out looking like something else. And I think the difference we might see is in our story today. And that's, that's where we pick up the story of Abraham. When God called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, if you remember, he was 75 years old. Genesis 12, 2 through 3 tells us this. God says, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's just one problem. Abraham and Sarah didn't have a child. How could God promise something like that to a family that did not have a child? It's, it's kind of simple. I could see how they would, they would think this. Well, God, if you're going to give us descendants, then you must be giving us a child. Pretty logical. Makes sense. And as we begin to see, about 10 years has passed since he's been where God has asked him to go, but God hasn't given him what God promised to give. Think about that for just a second. Ten years. That's a long time. It's a very, very long time. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 15. It says, and after these things, in other words, after the ten years, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, and he said this, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O oh Lord, God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. 
And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Now he gets very specific here. He says, Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And the Lord said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. How many of you know sometimes along the way in the journey, we just need a little reminder? I just need a little reminder to let me know, a little, little vision of what God has promised, and it's enough to keep me there. I'm, I was reminded reading this of Proverbs 29, 18. In the King James Version, it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. I love the ESV, the English Standard Version, says this, where there's no prophetic vision, they cast off restraint. It's like people got buckled in. They knew where the car was headed, and they got in, and they buckled in, and they said, let's go. And somewhere along the way, they forgot why they were in the car. They forgot why they were going. And the first opportunity they got, they pulled over and they unbuckled. They cast it off, the thing that was keeping them in place. And they're no longer in the place that God said they would be. They're no longer in the general direction God wanted them to go. And here's a word of caution for you, for your journey that we can see in Abraham's. I'd say it this way. Don't confuse God giving you a promise with God giving you a time frame. It's a big distinction to make. God gave Abraham and Sarah a promise. Did he give them a time frame? No, he didn't. And, and here's something that you and I have in common with Abraham and Sarah on this journey. It's hard waiting on God to do what he promised he would do, is it not? Absolutely, it's hard. Anybody take kids on a road trip? Dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Did we get there? Hey, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Dad, can we do that? It wears me out. But it's hard. It's hard. And here's our big theme for today, and I hope you get this. I want you to take away, if you take nothing else, I want you to take away this big theme for today. If you confuse God giving you a promise with God giving you a time frame, you'll be tempted to take matters into your own hands. Well, God said, and he hasn't, so maybe it means I must. God said he would, and God's not a liar. He always did. Maybe there's more to this than what God said. Maybe I need to do some things. Maybe I need to take some matters into my own hands. Maybe this hasn't happened because I haven't done anything about it yet. Look at Genesis chapter 16 as we continue our story. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. Think about the pressures she had. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar, and Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Prevented? That's not the story that I just read, is it? No, no. God promised a child, not prevented her from having one. It makes me wonder if the father of faith had been reminding his wife all along of the promises of God. You do know that God reminds you so that you can remind others, right? I wonder how many people in our circles, in our proximity, are waiting on very same promises that we're waiting for God, yet they haven't heard the vision and the reminder that you have that's keeping you buckled in the car. And all they need is for somebody to say, no, 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 no. God hasn't left us. He is with us. He's going to keep us. I understand. The moment Sarah said, God has prevented me from having a child, what should Abraham have done? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I don't think so. God has never left us. Do you know where I was? 
Do you have any idea where God called us and all the things that he did? Do you remember when we went down to Egypt and we feared the wrong thing and how God brought us out nonetheless? Don't you dare tell me that God has prevented you from having something. God has promised you. You'd think that's what the father of faith would do, wouldn't you? Let's see what he does. Her perspective on the promise was distorted. And look what she decides to do. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain a child by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. Ladies, how desperate do you think Sarah had to be for a child that she would be willing to give her servant to her husband? Husbands, I know what you're thinking. This whole listen to your wife thing's now over two. Some of you will catch that later. It was Eve's idea to eat the fruit. Adam listened to her, and now here we are uh, in, in this. Listen, it's both of them. They were desperate, and instead of trusting God and waiting on his promise to come about for them, what they do? They took matters into their own hands. And here's another word of caution for you on your journey that we see in Abraham's. When need is high, discernment is low. When need is high, discernment is low. What do, you, what do you mean? The greater the need in your life, the more stupid options you're willing to entertain in order to see them come about. I'm seeing some head nods and some elbows over to some people here in the crowd. Listen, I know that it's important for you to choose the right mate, but I'm telling you, if your need is high, your discernment of what kind of individual might meet that criteria is going to be really, really low. Now, what do you mean? I, I need a husband. No, you need to trust God. Don't go fishing in a catfish pond or you're going to catch some catfish, right? When need is high, discernment is low. I know you need to earn money to care for your family. But when your need is real high, you start entertaining options and you might be tempted to do something illegally that you probably shouldn't do. Do you see how that works when need is high? Discernment is low. Many of us will tell lies in order to gain favor with others because there's an innate need inside of us to be accepted or to be wanted or to be included by other people. So maybe we'll bend the truth just a little bit. It's not a complete lie, but it's a, it's a half lie. No, when, dis when discernment is low, when your need is really high, and I think that's what we have here. I think that's what brought them to think this. God, you've got a promise, and we've got a lot of descendants coming, but we don't have a child. Maybe we need to take matters into our own hands. Chapter 16, verse 3. So after Abram had lived, look at this, 10 years in the land of Canaan, in the land, waiting on the promise, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived, finally, a baby for Abraham. Isn't it crazy how sometimes things look like they work when you take them into, their own, into your own hands? Oh, at least temporarily, right? Oh, at least temporarily. Look at this. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to you, to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Don't miss what's happening in this little, this little dispute. I know you don't have any kerfuffles in your relationship, in your marriage, when you take matters into your own hands. It's as if she was saying, hey, this is all your fault. But it was your idea. 
Yeah, but you didn't have to. I could just imagine the dynamics going back and forth in this relationship. Instead of being the leader and reminding his wife of the promise, his desperation allowed him to abdicate his leadership, and he made the baby by himself. It's a big deal. But it's done now. It's done. There's a baby on the way. You would think that this father of faith would realize his failure, take leadership of his home, and again seek God to the solution for their sin But he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't take responsibility. He passes the book. Look at this, verse 6. But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you pleased. And Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. I want to recap for just a second where we are in this journey so you can mirror along your own spiritual walk the way that I have as I read this story. They confused promise with time frame, and they were tempted to take matters into their own hands. Their need was high, so their discernment was low. And now the very thing they did in their flesh to get what they wanted, they now despised. I know that's never happened to you. Oh, no, you don't understand. I really want it. Baby, I'll be able to go get our own fish from the Gulf. We'll buy that boat, and I'll be able to go anytime you want. You just tell me, and I'll go out in the Gulf and get that fish. And that $30,000 mistake is sitting in your garage, and you ain't taking it out in a long time. And you go buy your fish from Rouse's like everybody else (laughs) around here. I'm going to get some dirty emails from some husbands on that one. Romans 6 talks about the impacts of choosing our flesh over the spirit before we were Christians. Look at this. But what, what fruit were you getting? At that time, from the things of which you were now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. Let me paraphrase that for you. How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Proverbs 10.22 says this. Look at the contrast. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Man, the things you do for yourself have a tendency to work themselves in the wrong direction. But the things we trust God for will come as blessings, and there will be no sorrow, no regret, no remorse for those things. But we got to wait. Some father of faith this is, right, that we have in our story. And I need you to see something from the text that may not jump out at you, but it's right here, and it ties into our message from last week. Remember, fear of famine caused Abraham to go to Egypt in the first place. Who did he come back from Egypt with that he didn't have before he went? Who was the other hitchhiker on the journey? Look what he came back with. Genesis chapter 12, 16. You'll remember. He came back with all the sheep, all the oxen, the male donkeys, the male servants, the female servants, the female donkeys, and the camel. Some of you have already gotten it. Hagar, the servant, wouldn't have been an option had they not gone to Egypt in the first place. Man, you mean to tell me that God had a plan for me and I did it my own way and as a result of doing it my own way, now I've got some hitchhikers in my life that are giving me some options to continue to keep doing it in my way? Fear will cause you to go places that you should not have gone and then do things that you should not have done. Abraham got out from under God's protection and his provision and another hitchhiker got in the car. Now I want to wrap up this part of the story and then we'll close. Hagar flees 
God meets her and says, no, 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 I'm going to bless you regardless of the experience that you have here. I need you to go back and submit to this family, submit to this harsh leadership. And he tells her that she's going to give birth to a son, that baby in her womb. Abraham took matters into his own hands. and She's going to give birth. And look what it says, Genesis 16, 12. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Verse 15 through 16, and Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Now, I'm going to tell you some stories that transpire from that one decision, this one thing, this one time where he took matters into his own hands. It goes beyond the tensions and the hostilities that were invited into his household. This child from uh, Hagar and, and, and uh, Abram, Ishmael, resulted in a separate lineage and the founding of the Arab people. And there have been historical and geopolitical hostilities among that area and his two lineages, the Israelites and the Arabs ever since. Matter of fact, just this week, and I want us to pray, those two lineages continue to fight each other in this area. Isn't it crazy to think that may have been avoided? So I want to do that. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that your hand is over that conflict that's happening right now in Israel between the Palestines. Father, good people on both sides are being led by fear, are being led by by worry and doubt and, and are dug in. God, I ask for your protection over the innocent. God, keep individuals from struggling, Father, to and keep them safe. We we stand with your promise. And we thank you in Jesus' name. For them, as often as you can, please pray for Israel and the conflict um, that's going on there. I thought it was crazy, but but listen, not just Israelites. It's his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Y'all do realize for generations there have been lots and lots of conflicts in the Middle East as a result of this decision. A generational blessing turned generational conflict because one man took matters into his own hands. It's crazy. Here's my question for you. Does it matter if we do things God's way? Does it? Does it really matter? Just this week, I had, I had two separate conversations with, with two different men in similar situations. It was uncanny. Both of them had, impre- had impregnated women to whom they weren't married and are now experiencing some very unintended relational strains and some financial complications that are going to follow them for the next 20 years at least. And I'm proud of them now for wanting to do things God's way. I wish they had listened to God ahead of time. And I asked both of them this question. Two different conversations. They don't know each other. I said, man, if you had to do it all over again, would you, would you make different choices? And you know what both of them said? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I would have. I would have. Look at me. I'm trying to help you. Abraham's story is given to us to understand that God gives each of us promises. He just doesn't give us time frames. And sometimes we need a little reminder. Sometimes we need vision to be able to come and help us make the right decision, not take matters into our own hands. Thinking about those two guys and thinking about you and I, you do know that there's two kinds of wisdom, right? There's wisdom from above, and there's wisdom from the behind. <laughs> right? The things you learn through experience, right? 
God wants you to learn from wisdom and from listening. Wisdom from the behind is taking matters into your own hands. So I want to ask you a question as we kind of wrap up today. What do I do, Pastor Don, if I'm tempted to take matters into my own hands? What do I do? Here's the first thing I would tell you. I want you to trust that God isn't preventing, he's protecting. Trust that God isn't preventing, he's protecting. Everything he does builds faith in us at this level so that we'll be prepared for what's needed of us at the next level. You're going to see that in this journey. You're going to see how God does this. There's some big things that God's about to ask of Abraham. And by building faith in this season, he's going to be ready for the next. Do you want your lunch cooked in a microwave or in a black pot? If you're the microwave person, that's fine. But I'm telling you, number two, know that you might get what you want, but you'll definitely also get what you don't want. If you take matters into your own hands, I just need you to know this. Have a second. Take a minute. Take a break. Think about it. You're going to get what you want, but you might also get what you don't want. How many of you know sin is messy? Sin is messy. My pastor tells me all the time, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll make you stay longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. It's messy. It's messy. Here's the third thing I would tell you. If you're you're tempted to take matters into your own hands, I want you to remind yourself I'm in that line too. What are you talking about, Pastor Don? Joyce Myers gives this illustration. I love it. She says, I'm standing at the grocery store and I'm kind of in a hurry. And I'm there in the checkout line and people are before me. You know, the one that says you're only supposed to bring 25 items into that line, but this person's brought a whole cart. And it seems like this person is getting what I want. They're, they're getting checked out. They're getting attended to. They're going to get to move on with this. She said, I'm getting aggravated. I'm getting frustrated. Why are they getting what I want? And then she has this thought, and it dawned on her. I'm, I'm in that line, too. The sooner she gets what she's after, I'll get what I'm looking for. And it totally changed her perspective on this. Listen, what makes waiting on God's promises for you hard is when you see somebody else getting the very thing he's promised you that you haven't gotten yet. And you can be tempted to say, well, what are they doing? I wonder if they're doing, maybe there's something else that somebody, and it'll get you off track and you'll be tempted to take matters into your hands. Or you could sit back and you could say, man, I'm glad for them. I'm in that line too. I don't know how long they've been waiting on their promise. I've been waiting on a while, but maybe they've been waiting on longer. Maybe God's got something for them because I know he's got something for me, and I'm in that line too. Are y'all with me so far? Don't be tempted to take matters into your own hands. I want to ask you another question, and you may be asking this of me. Pastor Don, what do I do if I've already taken matters into my own hands? What do I do? If I'm honest, I've messed up. I've got some consequences that I'm facing. I, I didn't wait on God, and I took things my own path and my own way. What do I do in that moment? Here's the first thing you do. Repent. Amen. Acknowledge to God and to others that you took matters into your own hands. Listen to me. Repentance doesn't remove the consequences. The repentance doesn't remove the consequences, but it does position you for grace. And when you're in a situation, in a season where you've taken matters into your own hands, You need the grace of God. You need the grace of God. Repent to God. Here's the second thing I would encourage you to do. 
reconcile the relationships that are involved. It's amazing how the promised blessing of God for Abraham was to impact generations of people. Listen to me. Every time you take matters into your own hands, a relationship will be strained, damaged, or severed. It's important. You've got to understand. Go make it right. One of my favorite things, Kayla and I tell our kids all the time, listen, when you can't lead by example, lead by repentance. You can still lead. Husbands, I know that may have been your fault. And now your wife and your family are having to struggle and and you're bearing some consequences with all this. It's okay. Let's repent and then let's reconcile. Let's acknowledge what's going on. Let's lead by repentance. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then the third thing I would encourage you to do if you've taken matters into your own hands, recommit yourself to God in his lordship of your life. Recommit it. It's funny we use the phrase, take matters into your own hands. You do know that you can't be in two hands at once. You're either going to be in God's hands with his provision, his authority, his direction, guidance, grace, provision for your life, or you're going to be in your own hands, his hands or yours. When you took matters into your own hands, you effectively put your life into your own hands. Question for you, how's that working out for you? How's that working out? Fortunately for you and I, God made a way for us to return to him. He sent his son, Jesus. And we can read in scripture, especially in the book of Romans, one of my favorite, there's a group of passages that are, that are linked together that give us the story of how God has sent Jesus to help us. Here's, here's how it goes. In, in Romans 3, it tells us that all have sinned, all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's righteous standard. In chapter 6, we read that the wages of sin, the penalty for that sin in our lives, the price that's due, is death. But God, the gift of God, is eternal life through Christ Jesus. In Romans 5, we learn that God shows his love in this way, that while we were still sinners, while you and I were taking matters into our own hands, God loved us and sent his son for us. God didn't send Jesus for the perfect. He didn't send Jesus for the ones who had it all together. Jesus didn't come as a reward for everybody who did this right. Jesus came as a savior for everybody who couldn't do it right and aren't able to do it right. But it gets better. It gets better. Romans 10 tells us that those who are ignorant of God's righteousness will always try to establish their own righteousness instead of submitting to God. It's a big deal. And then it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I summarize those verses every single week when I tell you, Jesus had a conversation with a very religious ruler, and Jesus used a phrase called being born again, where what's spiritually dead inside of you comes alive through the work of the Holy Spirit. And here's how I summarize that. I tell you that it's as simple as ABC. A, B, C. A is admit. A is admitting that your sin has separated you from a righteous and a loving God. You took matters into your own hands. God didn't lead you where you are. You led yourself where you are. It starts with A. And then after A is B, and B stands for believe. And God gives each of us an opportunity. You may be here today thinking that same thing. Man, it, 
really Jesus came for me? If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. A is admit, B is believe, and C, that's the third part. It's confess. Admit, believe, and confess. What am I confessing? That Jesus is Lord and Savior. Savior's the easy part when things are a mess, when you're facing some unintended consequences, isn't it? God, save me. Jesus, help me. I'm willing to try anything. No, 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 no. Confessing him as Lord means this. You get to drive. I'm going to do it your way. I'm no longer going to take it in my own hands. I'm going to place myself in yours. I want to invite each of you to bow your head and close your eyes because I'm going to ask you that question. You may be here today saying, Pastor Don, I had no idea what you were talking about. I just came because I know somebody was getting water baptized today. But as you told me Abraham's story, I started to see some of my own. I have taken matters into my own hands, and it's brought me on a journey I never intended to be on. And something inside of me changed when you told me that God had prepared a way. And to think that even while I'm stuck here in the middle of my sin, God prepared a way for me. Pastor Don, I'm ready. I've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of my life, but I want to do that right now. I want to trust in him. I told you earlier, you can't be in two hands at once. You can be in one. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Don, I want to place my life in the hands of Jesus and trust him to be my Lord and Savior. I've never asked him to come into my life before, but I want to do it right here, right now, right where you are, nobody looking around, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want you to raise your hand and look up at me if you want me to pray with you today to be born again. Thank you, I see your hand. Thank you, hands are going up all over. Keep your hand up and look at me till I acknowledge you. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see you, sweetheart. I see your hand. Along the edge, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I see your hand over to my right, up in the balcony. I see it. Keep your hand high. Let me see him one more time. Looking around. If you've raised your hand before, you can put it down. One more time, Pastor Don, my heart's beating out of my chest. I know I should make this decision today. Don't forget, yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Holding the baby, I see your hand. Fantastic. You may put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together. It's not the prayer that saves you. The Holy Spirit has saved you. But I want us to acknowledge, church, let's pray this together out loud with those who have raised their hand. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's celebrate with all of those.